Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, men who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode 31 of the Alcohol Reefing Podcast. This week I am really pleased to be joined by Tommy G, otherwise known as Tommy Geary. He's a men's coach that I've done a lot of work with. We've done some stuff over on Instagram and he specifically works with guys on mindset coaching and he's the co-owner of We Embark. And that's where he coaches dads to create more purpose and freedom in their lives. So he set that up with his wife, Brenda. They operate the We Embark together. Uh, In addition to the coaching, they also offer a leg up, which is a weekly self-coaching newsletter that gives you a leg up on your goals. So you're going to want to know where to go and find that. And Tommy's going to let you know towards the end. But now let's get Tommy involved. How are you doing, Tommy? Patrick, what's up, man? Good to hear you. Yeah, you too, man. You too. It's been a little while since we've done our uh, Insta lives for the dads out there. The lightly bearded dads. It looks like we're still both lightly bearded. <laughs> yeah, one's lightly bearded, always lightly bearded. Yeah, man. It was, those were fun. I'm glad to. I'm glad we're talking again. Yeah, it's good. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on today is to kind of look at that whole dad perspective of men in the world obviously being dads but also around alcohol as well which is not necessarily your story but I'd really love to see how it all all going to fit in for us today so Tommy tell us about what it is what you do who you do it for yeah I am a men's mindset coach and I work with men mostly dads that are stuck in a rut and looking to make some changes in their life, looking for more fun, more fulfillment, more purpose. And this, this work has really um, been like just the point of the journey I'm at right now is um, at a place that I'm really enjoying because when I look back, I have been where a lot of my clients are right now. Um, when I was in a corporate job, like five years ago, um, I was stuck. I was at this point where my, like I was in this job for 15 years and I kept telling myself, Oh, I'm only going to be here three more years. And then it was five years and that kept happening. And I would tell myself, Oh, the job has good benefits. The job has good pay. It's providing the life that I need for my wife. And at the same time, I wasn't feeling like I was using, I was living up to my full potential. And when I had my daughter, we adopted our daughter, Nell. And when I adopted or when we adopted her, I got like smacked in the face and I was like, well, it's too late now. I can't make any changes in my life. Like I had my opportunity to leave my job, but now I have a kid and I need this job to provide for the family. And what ended, what started happening was me 
slowly falling into this rut of not getting outside as much, not taking care of myself as much, showing up at home and being exhausted at the end of the day. And really, I started to feel like I was just kind of wasting time and wasting my life away. And I wasn't being the man I wanted to be for my daughter, for my wife. And I got a coach. And at the time, I didn't like, couldn't find that coach that really fit into what I needed. But my wife had been a life coach and followed, you know, one of the trainers that she had. And I went with her and little by little, I started making changes and saw this like progression in my life. Two years later, I left my corporate job. I, you know, in that two years, I became a nature guide, a yoga and meditation teacher. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, it, the, the progress and the path has led me to now doing this work and helping dudes that are there right now where I was get to where they want to go. And, um, not saying that they could hire the same coach that I did and get there. But I think when, um, you know, there's someone that's gone through, you know, just like you as the sober life coach, taking men that want to get sober through the process that you've gone through, it's, um, there's something comfortable. You can be a little more vulnerable and open about it. So that's, that's why, why I'm here. That's why I do the work that I do. Nice. Love it. It's so interesting, isn't it? That like, at that time you just, you were doing the same things repeatedly and there's this like this voice. Well, I'm kind of putting words into your head, but like there's this voice, right? Like this isn't enough or like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And just by taking that little step, you went, began working with someone and, and you didn't even know what it is that you wanted. Right. But you just noticed started making small little changes like becoming the nature guy man like who would ever think that like becoming a yoga instructor like all amazing things and it just led you down to this path and so i guess what i get from that is that you don't have to know necessarily what it is you want to do you just have to know that you want to change yeah i i that voice inside i couldn't agree more and it's that voice inside that's just, I, I call it the inner voice and it's that voice that we don't always listen to. And I didn't listen to it's that voice that was like, you're not going to be here in three years, but I didn't listen to it for a long time. And that builds up inside of you and it starts to really weigh you down and it doesn't have to be a huge life change. It just, that voice, all it needs is, yeah, just a little, a small goal to keep it moving forward. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Nice. Yeah. And and I think that's what I found as well is like, I just, I knew alcohol was getting in the way of my life, even though I thought I was very good at drinking, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I had this big belief system about how great I was as a drinker. Like I almost thought that it was the only thing I was good at, which I look back now and I think, that's so sad but there you go like that's just where it was and it was through stopping drinking and what I want to talk today about really as well is like buffering like how guys kind of numb that calling 
that inner voice that we're talking about right now. And like for me, it was stopping drinking. And then once I started doing that, like I was able to start listening. And sure, like all that other shit comes up still anyway. But it's it's like recognizing when you're doing something that is a way to avoid what is really there, what is underneath it all for you. Yeah. For me, buffering personally during that time of my life was weed and whether it was like, you know, we were living in Colorado at the time. So, you know, weed came in all shapes and colors and edibles or the vape pen, whatever it was. I, I believe that weed helped me chill out and be more low key around my family. And really what it was doing was taking me away. Um, it was taking me away from being present and, I think I used it as a buffer to avoid really the changes I wanted to make in my life. And, you know, for example, becoming that nature guide. A lot of my life, I didn't learn new things. I was always street smart, but I was never book smart. I don't like school. I don't like to read. And that was like, a belief that was holding me back. And anytime I went to take a class, I would start studying for it and then probably find myself going and getting high because, you know, it was hard. It was uncomfortable for me to lean into learning something new. And that followed me around. And when I took, when I actually, when I did that nature um, guide course, that was probably the first course that I took and gave my all. And I remember studying for it and it was not easy, but I remember not smoking weed throughout it. And that the other side of that difficulty, the other side of um, getting away from buffering is super powerful. I mean, that it, it, and then like, I'm making it to be this big thing, but it was a small thing. It was like two months every Wednesday night. And, you know, it was at this small little nature center doing a one hour volunteer guide. Like it wasn't this huge thing, but to me and the beliefs that I had to break down and the new beliefs that I had to create that I can learn and I can grow and I don't have to run away from it and I don't have to buffer away from learning just that those small steps, those new beliefs were huge for me. I mean, on the other side of that small thing was a lot more confidence. Yeah. And I can totally see how telling yourself you're not book smart is going to get in the way of quite a few things that are available to you out there. So when you, so how did you stop smoking weed? Like how did that come around? Hmm. I started to, you know, it, it was definitely a progression. It wasn't like there was, there ended up being one day where I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And since that day, I haven't done it. And that's almost a year ago now. And, nice. but leading up to it, there were seeds, right? I would stop for a month and I would stop for, 
a couple weeks and and I didn't really see it. I, I, I would like do that to like prove to myself that I wasn't addicted to it. And then I would say, oh, I'm only going to do it on weekends. And I don't know, you can tell me if it's kind of the same thing with drinking, but what I saw over the course of like two years was like, I tried to manage myself around it. Like, oh, I'll just do it on the weekends. Oh, I'll only do it once a week. And that would work for a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden it was five o'clock and I was getting high before I was coming home or something like that. And it was ruining my relationships. And then I remember I took this course that was like, set your goals for the year. And one of the questions was what would like, what would make this year, what would you be shocked if you changed at, by the end of this year, something like that. I'm kind of butchering the question, but the first thing in my head was like that I don't do weed anymore. And I wrote it down. Like, yeah, like that would be hilarious if I lived a life without weed by the end of that year, I wasn't doing it anymore. So I think the, the little, that little thought seed, you know, if we, if our, if we need to change our beliefs in order to change our actions, that little thought seed of I'm not a person that has weed in their life, even though I didn't believe it at the time that like, I did have an aha, like, oh, that's possible. And then it started growing from there. Yeah. Kind of got the crowbar in the door and started seeing the light. Saw a little light. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and I think it's really common as well is where alcohol, like anything really, porn, food, drink, everything. We start trying to rationalize it in a way to like, okay, well, I will have some on the weekend and then I won't drink for next week. And I'm going to this event. So I'll probably have a drink there or have a spliff or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You you start like almost fooling yourself that it's okay. And even though you know it's not truly what you want because you wouldn't even be considering it otherwise, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's such a good point. Like that's that inner voice just whispering, like you want to change, you want to change. But if you, yeah, if you, then there's the other voice that's been there for years, decades that smoking weed is fun. Going to the movies is a lot more fun when you're doing weed. It's, you know, for alcohol, it's, the fall season, I got to have a pumpkin beer, whatever those beliefs are that have been programmed for so long are so much louder than those new thoughts that are saying, you don't really need this in your life. Life might be better without it. Uh, yeah. 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 It's just these, these, these rules. There's so many rules about <laughs> what is acceptable, what is not acceptable when I will drink, when I won't drink. And like, it just all gets in the way. And I think similarly to you is that I could never have, have imagined myself not drinking. Like it just it was inherently who I was like from a very young age. And then now when I think about drinking and I just, 
it just seems so far away. It just like, it, it is incredible. Like, I can't think of anything worse than waking up with a hangover and, and not being able to function as a human being like I do now, right? Yeah. And, and one of the big driving factors behind my decision, as I said, was about for my kids as well. And it sounds like that's similar for you as well, right? Definitely. I, you know, just making changes in my life, the, the behind the scenes, a lot of the time, my why is so I can be a better dad, so I can be a better husband. And, you know, that, that was what drove me into the, you know, personal development, personal growth work. It was when I had, when, yeah, when Nell came along, I was in my job and even though at, when she first got here, I was like, up, oh, it's all over. She's stopping me from doing this. When I, once I started to realize that I wasn't being my best self, it was like, all right, well, I got to figure this out because I'm going to be a more fun dad because I was showing up and just being tired at home. And yeah, I mean, that's that. One of my coaches, Dan Doty, puts it like this about fatherhood. It's like, um, it's all for them, but it starts with us. So as a father, it's all, everything you do is for your family, but it starts with us. Like we got to work on ourselves first. So that's... Yeah, that's that's the why behind a lot of what I do. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it has to always start with us, no matter what. And I think that a big part of it for me, and it sounds like for you as well, is like this whole idea of being present, of getting home from work and really wanting, wanting to engage with now, right? Like you want to be there, you want to be that fun dad. Because then, cause when you're not showing up like that, it's almost like, kind of like questioning why did I even make this decision like I wanted this so much and now I'm not showing up in the way that I wanted to <laughs> and it just this whole layer of, of shame and judgment starts to appear as well yeah and you know I, I have a few clients that are working on the alcohol stuff and it, it's the same thing like they find themselves coming home. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this one client and let's just call him Greg. And Greg was working all day and then he would come home and he'd want to relax and he'd want to take the edge off and he would have a couple drinks at dinner. And then, you know, he'd have a beer at dinner and then afterwards he'd have his evening glass of whiskey. And after that, he was just wanted to chill on the couch and his kids, you know, his kids would come up to him. Hey, daddy, come play. Daddy, come play. And he'd say, no, not right now. I'm tired. And he was showing up good on the weekends in the morning and the weekends, having fun with his kids. But when Greg and I started talking, he was like, I wake up the next morning and I think like, I wanted to say yes. I just couldn't say yes to play with my kids. Like what's, what's wrong with me? It's been going on for months now and I just I want to say yes but I don't and I think it's because the alcohol but I need to take the edge off and it it is you know that 
he, Greg showed up wanting to change because he wanted to be better for his kids. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think the same for me is that like waking up on a sofa, hungover, and like just resenting my kids even being there. And it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like you wanted nothing more than to have these beautiful people in your life. And then you, you're like showing up like this. And then it's kind of like getting out of all of that kind of muddying what it meant about me being able yeah. to move past it. Right. Because when you kind of change any kind of behavior, especially like ones that can be addictive, destructive, however you want to look at it is like, you've got to have a lot of compassion for yourself because not only are you dealing with, your own kind of self-worth and whatever beliefs you have about yourself, but you've also got this substance that's inside of you, right? Like your brain gets a lot of pleasure from it and it just wants to keep going back for more and more. And we have to be compassionate with ourselves to be like, we're working. We have a family. We have kids running around. Like even if I am sober and showing up for as my best self like it's still hard a lot of the time like after a long day when it's time to like make lunch for the next day am i like gritting my teeth and being like god like i really do not want to do this and i think there's there's compassion and being like that's okay like it's okay that it's hard right now that there, that we live in this, that the life that we've created isn't supposed to be easy all the time. Um, one of the things about becoming a parent, I think, is like the highs are higher and the lows are lower. And I kind of think like, you know, when Brenda and I were just us two living our lives before we adopted now, like life was awesome but it was kind of like the same, Oh, you know, like we would go on cool trips, cool vacations, cool adventures. Then you go and you have a kid and it's like the happy times are like, so like, like they just shoot up when you see the joy of your kid, like laughing or swimming for the first time. And the lows are a lot lower when it's, 9 30 at night and it's bedtime and you've been up all day working and you just want to go down and it's time to brush your teeth but your toddler doesn't want to brush your teeth like that that wasn't happening that like that stress wasn't there before you had a kid but it's all worth it so we get the only reason it's amazingly high and joyful is because there's also the tough times and we, as a dad, we can know that we're doing our best and start from there, start showing up as I'm trying my best and start taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to start where you're at. That's the best place to be. I've got a slight little story, which is kind of related to what you just said, but uh, currently, I'm training to do a marathon, right? Like, so I'm doing a lot of running. This particular program I'm doing, you run six days a week because you're meant to run on heavy legs. So I went out for a run 
on Sunday. It's 31 degrees, right? It's like the hottest day of the year. It was absolutely unbelievably hard. And about halfway through, I'm like, I'm going through that whole process in my head. Like, this is so hard. I don't want it to feel like this. I just want to stop. And then I reminded myself, it's like, oh, it's supposed to be hard. Like, weather aside, like, it's supposed to feel heavy legs right now because of everything that I've been doing up to it as well. And it's like, it's the same thing, isn't it? Like, in all throughout life, it's like when we're arguing with what it feels like, when we're arguing with how we feel, like, that is what creates more suffering. But when I was like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to feel like this. I just found like an extra little bit of energy and I got it done. And I think we can use that in our own lives. Like when we feel shit because we've smoked too much weed or drunk too much or like whatever it might be, it's like, yeah, it's supposed to feel like that, man. So what now? Like where can we go from it? Rather than like putting in that judgment, that shame, that blame, wanting to find ways to get rid of it, like the resistance, which generally more often than not ends up going back to the one thing that you don't want to do in the first place. Yeah. The accepting what is there is totally, is it, is everything, um, you know, back to the example of brushing your kid's teeth or at the end of the night, I mean, and I'm bringing this up because it just happened like a few nights ago with, Nell and it was time to brush teeth and then we brush teeth and then we go to bed and she it, it wasn't she wasn't in like a bad mood about it but she was like happy and still wanted to play and when I am thinking like she shouldn't be doing this she's so difficult just open your mouth and brush your teeth stop trying to play if I'm trying to like change that and fight what's there right now, what's really there, I'm just creating all this suffering and tension inside of me. But if I can be present and what, you know, that looks like for me is taking a breath and reminding myself that she's three and a half and let's make a game out of this. Cause she likes playing games and she's happy right now. Like this is what, this is what parenting is. I can, you know, not turn it around right away and be like happy go lucky, but I can smile and not be tense and not try to rush things. And just like, you know, your run, it just, when you remember that however it is right now is how it's supposed to be, it just slows things down and opens it up a little bit. Yeah. It's that whole idea of uh, like when you're saying accepting, it's like allowing you know, like allowing the present moment for whatever it might be, rather than resisting it, which kind of like brings us back nicely to the whole thing around buffering, like why people or guys use alcohol or drink drugs is because they're resisting what's, what it is they might be avoiding in their lives, or they've got themselves into a rut. Like, when we get into a rut is this, we're doing the same thing repeatedly, right? And that's how our brain loves to operate. It wants to be efficient. It wants to keep doing the same shit. It loves the familiarity. It loves a pattern. It loves rules, right? Like this is why we have so many rules for our lives. <clears throat> and it's um yeah. I mean, one of the but when we talk buffering, like one for me is food, like junk food and eating. When I when I was working um, back at the corporate job that I had, I was 
in a sales department. And as that time was coming, right before I started making changes, I would like it three o'clock every day, I would just go to the vending machine and get some crap food out of the vending machine. And what was I avoiding? I was avoiding that like feeling of sitting at my desk and having to get that next sales calls done or that next proposal done. I didn't want to do the work because, and I avoided it by eating. So that's like another one Those like, and that just became a pattern for me, like buffering away from the work that I was like supposed to be doing to going to get that quick hit of dopamine from the sugar in the vending machine. Yeah. Also, because you're probably thinking it's nearly home time, so I wonder if I can just kind of string it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I find a really fascinating way is like if you do a 24 hour fast is just the amount of times you can watch your brain go to like as you go through your day, like carry on working and stuff like the amount of times you notice your brain thinking about like either going to get something to eat or like going to watch telly or whatever it might be. It's it's just looking to distract all of the time, like to avoid those uncomfortable feelings, depending on what you're telling yourself about what it is that you're doing. Yeah, the yeah, I, I when we think about buffering with food, I had I was talking to this one dude and he was doing the he was doing some intermittent fasting and he was eating I think he was doing something like eighteen six or something like that. And he just found himself at when that like 18 hours was over and he was going to eat within those six hours, he was planning out his food and he would eat the dinner, but then just like all of a sudden find himself like two hours later in front of an open refrigerator door, just staring in it. And like, why am I here? I haven't like planned on eating this. I'm standing in front of the refrigerator door, ready to pick something out. And, you know, nine times out of 10, he was grabbing that food and eating it. And that's okay. Like that, our brain like wants to have that dopamine hit, but how do we change and move away from buffering? It's what we were talking about before the presence and the acceptance of realizing you're standing in front of the refrigerator. You know, I didn't plan on eating anything right now. And recognizing that the brain is, I want that piece of food that's in the refrigerator. I want that piece of food that's in the refrigerator, realizing that, and just like, it's taking a breath. It's slowing down for a second and saying like, this is just my brain trying to go back to those old patterns. And that that's like the first step out of buffering is being able to slow down and just recognize the patterns that we have. Yeah. I like what you're saying there as well. It's, it's, it's about talking to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Because if you just like go on autopilot and just listen like, oh, I need some food for whatever reasons and then just do it. Like you just, it's like unconsciously just keep following those same patterns. But when you begin to like talk to yourself, as 
my, I was talking to my daughter about this and she was saying, yeah, but isn't talking to yourself the first sign of madness? <laughs> that was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I actually think it's the opposite because when you're able to talk to yourself, it, you can kind of like ground yourself. Like you don't just accept the first thought that comes to your mind. You get to choose it instead, right? Yeah, talking to yourself, I mean, you know, you probably want to be careful with the situation you're in where you're talking to yourself. Like if you're riding on public transportation and you just start talking to yourself, people might think you're a little wacky. But I, yeah, I mean, self-talk, right? The self-talk that you have is going to shape the actions that you take. And if we're just letting our brain run on autopilot we're we're not going to act the way that we want to intentionally i guess yeah yeah absolutely and you don't have to talk out loud like that is (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right cool so let's look at a a little bit more about presence because it what you were saying is that when you left your other role and started doing like the nature walking and yoga, like that's presence by definition, right? Like exactly doing that. So how else do you bring presence into your life now? Like, do you have any practices that you have in particular or what is it that you do? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the tools that we have in, um, the tools like, so when I'm working with men, um, I kind of think of like these skills and tools that we can use throughout life in different areas. So if we're on this, you know, adventure of life, when can we pull out breathing exercises? When can we pull out journaling? When can we pull out meditation? Um, when can we pull out taking a walk? And those are the first four that kind of come to mind for me. For my, like, if I want to be more present, I either journal and I take out my journal or a scrap piece of paper or doesn't even just type it up on uh, on the computer and just dump out what's in my head right now because I notice myself getting into thought loops or, um, you know, I'm working with this one dude that he he created this awareness that like around two o'clock at work every day he starts getting worked up and frustrated and angry and so he's set a timer on his watch. For at two o'clock, it beeps and he gives himself five minutes and he goes and does five minutes of deep belly breath. And just that state change of moving out of our head and into our body, out of our head, focusing on our breath, that's, that's like the answer, you know, probably the answer to everything is being able to get out of our heads. So, um, journaling, the breathing. And for me, like getting outside in nature, I think connecting with nature is such a shortcut hack into being with the present moment. And 
you know, uh, we lived in a cabin in, on like 300 acres in Colorado. We were like caretakers there for five years and there was no one around. So walking outside, being in nature, listening to the trees and the river presence there. But now we live in the suburbs and there's cars and highways and stuff like that. But still for me, like a hack to become present is going outside and like standing barefoot in the grass and just listening to the sounds that are around me. And that slows everything down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love nothing more than getting up in the morning and just listening to the birds singing. Like, this is quite an incredible experience even now <laughs> even though i hear it every day but yeah it definitely just reminds you like there's there's something bigger than us which really takes you out of your own head you know yeah so you touched upon about or the the work you do with other guys is like getting them to be the best versions of themselves so what kind of tips or practical advice would you offer and like what it means to be the best version of you, like to be the best man that you can be? Be the best version of yourself. I, I think it's a, it's consistent growth and we were talking about it a little earlier. It doesn't have to be big audacious impossible goals. We want big impossible goals to grow towards, but to be the best version of yourself, you need to be, it's like a balance of growing and doing and a balance of being present, kind of those, those two things. So really you're the person that can answer whether you're being your best self or not. But what I've seen in a lot of the guys that I work with is when they start taking small changes and, you know, for example, there, one of my clients wanted to, uh, he, he was feeling super suffocated by his job. And, you know, he's like, I feel like I'm, not even living my life. I'm just this human body moving through the world. And is that living his best self? No, probably not. And he wasn't feeling that way. So one small, you know, we, we, we did the work, we did some coaching and what came up for him was like, I just want to ride my dirt bike. I haven't done it in three years. I just want to take my dirt bike out and ride it. What's, what's it going to take to get that dirt bike out? Well, I'm going to have to fix it up. I got, it'll probably take a couple hours to fix it up. I got to get a trailer so I can bring it to where I'm going to ride it. And then I can ride. So we like hashed out the steps and then he made it happen. And I mean, just the talking to him, the time afterwards, it was just a dirt bike ride, but you could feel, he could feel more life inside of him. Nice. Yeah. It's this idea of like bringing yourself back to joy because I don't know what it is, but like the older we get, we think, Oh, we can't do those things anymore. Like <laughs> I'm too sensible <laughs> for them, but like doing the things that we enjoy as kids, even, or like even like late teens and stuff, like can still bring us so much joy. 
so yeah, I love that. So even just yeah, like and we we have like <clears throat> yeah, and we have we're too old for this, or there's not enough time to make it happen. Uh, I should I should be spending my time with my kids and my family. I should be doing something else. Those those kinds of beliefs for him were getting in his way, and yeah, when we set out to do these small things, there is, and this is what this is like the work we do, and I bet you do this with your clients also. Like when we goal set, there's a specific process to follow, and when you set the goal for him, it was ride the ride the dirt bike. Now we know where we're heading, work backwards, like what has to happen. And we plan it all out and we come up with like, what's going to get in the way of getting there. And what was going to get in his way was the trailer. I need a trailer. So we talked about how he was going to find a trailer and his time was going to get in the way. Okay. Broke down how much actual time he was going to need to work on the bike and then he also had the obstacle of well i should be hanging out with my family so we talked about that too and then once once we hash out the the obstacles that are going to get in the way of us meeting our goal we can we can take off on the path towards the goal and be ready for those obstacles and that's a lot of the coaching that I do is finding out what's going to get in the way. And actually on our website right now, um, there's a free goal guide that you can download and it can work with the huge goals of hiking the Appalachian trail, or it could be the small goal of not drinking at the party this weekend. And this goal guide is it's free on our website. So you can go and grab it and it kind of walks you through the process awesome all right well i'll let you share that website in just one minute so before that i just want to ask you a question and firstly just thank you again for being on today like i love this episode we've covered lots of different areas but are all super relevant i think there's loads of gold in there for any guys out there listening who are looking to find a spark in their life or reignite that spark in their life find some goals stop drinking stop smoking weed whatever it might be there's something in there for you and the question I just want to ask you before we leave, Tommy, is what does it mean to be radically human for you? Radically human. I think being radically human is being able to realize that we, this experience of us being humans is a very special and unique experience and also very irrelevant on the cosmic scale. So we're, our human life is just like a flash of light in the universe. But being a human is pretty freaking special because there's, there's no other humans that we know of. So, um, living, living from that space and trying new things. So I think like when you, when you can be there, you can be like, well, I'm just going to freaking go for it. Cause my life now is irrelevant in a lot of ways, but I can get to experience these new things and some thrills. So, um, that is how you live a radically human life. You re you come to 
peace with this is this is impermanent and really special at the same time. So go out and try your best, do your best. Nice. Give me goosebumps, mate. <laughs> Wicked. All right, Tommy, how can people get hold of you? Where can they find you? Where can they look for you? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, like Patrick, just want to say thanks, dude. I appreciate you having me on and the work that you do. I just love our conversations and look forward to seeing you grow and us grow together. And where can people find me? Our website is nowweembark.com. So that's the easiest place to find me, nowweembark.com. Or you can uh, find me on Instagram, Tommy We Embark on Instagram. Wicked. Uh, just a bonus question. Like, tell us what's behind the We Embark, because I love that name. Yeah, We Embark. So Brenda and I run our business together. And when we were... So she came, she came up with the name. She's the creative spark in our company. And she came up with the name, but it was after brainstorming a lot. And a lot of our beliefs is that life is an adventure and life is a journey. And we embark is the place you go to start your journey. So, um, coach with me or sign up for the newsletter or check out some of our free courses on our website. And we are embarking on the journey together. It's kind of where it comes from. Yes. All right. So good. All right, Tommy, it's been a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next time. Take care and bye-bye. If you want to find out more about working with me and seeing how I can help you stop drinking and start showing up in life the way that you really want, visit patrickjfox.com to find out more or book a free consultation using the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.